You're listening to The Uncommon Podcast, where we celebrate the stories of men and women who are living uncommon lives. These individuals pursue excellence and purpose in their relationships and work. They optimize their health and stewardship, and they embody victorious vision and fervent faith. Be inspired and encouraged to follow your own uncommon path and live a life of authenticity, accountability, and adventure. Welcome to the Fraternities Live Call, where men in our community take time to share wins and work through conundrums, through practical skill development and crowdsource wisdom, all in an effort to live uncommon lives as husbands, fathers, and leaders. I'm your host, Ryan, joined by my co-host, Philip, as well as several men in the community. Gentlemen, good morning. Welcome to the call. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Doctor? Doctor. Some of you guys say good morning a few times, but that's all right. Yeah. Enthusiastic. <laughs> So today we're finishing up our month of taking a deep dive into emotional intelligence. So far, we've looked at the chemicals at play that influence our long and short-term happiness, practical skills to help us label our own emotions as well as the emotions of others in our lives, and how to use EQ to create an uncommon marriage. Today, we're going to wrap up by looking at how to use EQ to form deep bonds with our kids. Before we jump into that, let's start how we always do. Share some wins, conundrums. Who would like to kick us off? I've got a real small win. Um, <clears throat> had the first little picnic slash dinner out at the new house last night with family. Nice. I've been working on the house every night. So that was uh, really encouraging to me to just be close to the finish line. And Rachel's been really good with her attitude and just... Typically when I'm gone, you know, for a night or two, let alone like five or six in a row, she's pretty, uh, pretty over it and ready for me to be home, but she's been really supportive and just brought the kids out, had dinner and, um, yeah, just hung out for a little bit. It was just been a, been a really good, uh, last week, I guess, of house wins with family wins all at the same time. So it's not like one sacrificing for the other. It seems like, um, other than my wife sacrificing for me. So, but yeah, right. it's been, been good. How was uh, her Mother's Day? She was happy. Everything was good after the initial birthdays and such. Such She feels like she's recharged. Yeah, I think so. And if not, she's got another, uh, she's got another birthday party that she gets to go to all of the kids Friday night. So right. she's got, she's got dinner with friends and all that stuff. So, That'll be nice. good. Okay. Good. Good job, man. I will share a conundrum, gentlemen. As you all know, we are expecting our third here mm-hmm. um, in the next couple of weeks. But obviously, we are at hit that nesting phase. Mm. And um, <laughs> my wife is uh, very, very detailed. So we have gone at it a couple of times this week. Um, she's very detailed in what she wants. And so... I just um, am hoping to (laughs) get a little bit of prayer and just a little bit of focus for myself of just getting the things done that she needs done before um, baby arrives. So just listening more uh, and less talking for me. (laughs) Yeah, that's always a good first step for us, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. 
What are some of the things like that are on your plate even for this week, James? Yeah. So, um, honestly just having the, the place in order. So we have a, a new bread frame that's on the way here. Um, and just getting some of the little tinctures that, that she needs or, or wants, um, just to, I don't know, just to be prepared really. Uh, we have most of everything for, um, we're having a home birth. I should, I guess I should add that as well. Oh, wow. So that's why, um, everything's kind of needs to be put together here at home. So there's a lot that's going on. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Cool. It's exciting. Have you had other home births? Yes, I have. Yeah, no, this is our, this is going to be our second. So my, uh, my second son Solomon was born at the, uh, edge of our bed. Um, just two, <laughs> almost two years ago now. So, um, home birth has been a great experience for us. Awesome. Dude, that's great, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we'll definitely be praying for you and your wife and family. And there's anything, yeah, anything you need, any help, holler at your boy. I got you. Nice. Thank Good. you. Um, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Yeah. Dude, it's so fun. It's like the coolest gift ever. You go to the hospital or you go home and then all of a sudden you just have this new life, this new gift. Like, I, it's the weirdest feeling, but super cool. And like, I don't know. It's like alarming that like now I'm responsible for this child, you know, so cool. <laughs> you might be out for a couple of weeks uh, because of that. Or you'll yeah. be right up. You'll be like, dude, I've been up for four hours, man. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. At, at, at this point with our with our third child, it's like I'm, I'm already sleep deprived as it is. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what am I missing? You know, yeah, dude. Yeah. You, <laughs> you just can't prepare for the lack of sleep. You just can't. What do, what do they tend to say on the about the transition from two to three, whether it being more challenging, less for those of you that have three kids? Like, what have you found? I'm, I'm curious about that. Oh, yeah. I'll let somebody else talk. <laughs> I don't know if it's more challenging. No, I no, mean, words. <laughs> no wisdom here. <laughs> I don't know. To the mix. <laughs> Chris has four, so <laughs> I'll let him talk. <laughs> Well, I mean, no words of encouragement for me because I don't know. It just seems like the more you add, the more uh, more things can go wrong. So <laughs> that's real. Okay. No, I mean it's been definitely, definitely are uh, continuing to master your your skills, but spacing them out, I think, would have helped me in my sanity. <laughs> But I'm here now, so. Yeah, you are. Are they like, what, one and a half years on average apart? Or how close are they? Yeah, 18 to 20 months, yep. Yep. Nice. No, I wouldn't have done it any other way. Yeah. Yeah, for me, here's the deal. Like, you know, the birth order thing? Like, for some reason, like, that is, like, dialed in. They understand it. Like, the firstborn... Like, I probably should read a book because it's just fascinating. The second, you know, and then the middle child, if you have three, like, and I'm not, I probably shouldn't even because it's recording. But anyway, uh, I feel like with three, the middle child kind of just was like, huh, not lost in the shuffle by any stretch, but it feels a little bit like 
okay, now we have three. So I have to be attentive to this new child. And the firstborn is always kind of helping in the middle child. <laughs> uh, so to me, three is a, is a game changer uh, for us. And it was fun, but also too, like I look back at pictures and I'm like, I don't even remember my middle child, like even looking <laughs> like that. <laughs> same here, same here. And so then if you read anything about the like birth order, you see like, oh, like the birth, the middle child is always like, I'm always left out. And I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> it's the parenting, not the, not the child. Anyway, you, I'm glad I took pictures. Not happened to you, buddy. <laughs> not happened to you, but... <laughs> So, Phil, I guess, what, what advice would you give, and Chris and Tom, what, what advice would you give to pay more attention to the middle child or just be more present with them? Yeah. I think daddy, like, is it a son or a daughter? Uh, this is, so my middle is my son. I'm going to have okay. a daughter here right. uh, okay. as my third. Yeah. All right. And your first one is a uh, son. son. Okay. Two sons and a daughter. Okay. So I'd say just take him out you know, like spend quality time with him, even if it's just like a walk. Um, and I don't know if that's going to help his mental capacity at all. When he grows up, he'll probably be like, oh, I was always left. out." <laughs> but uh, um, I would just say just spending a little bit more time with him. Um, the firstborn always seems like just dialed in, you know, but the middle child always seems like it needs like an extra like, hey, intentionality, I guess. But I feel yeah. like that's a what were you going to add, Chris? Yeah, the, the middle child, I feel like, is always looking for direction. Like, you're always either dropping down to the younger younger brother, younger sister, or, mm. you know, trying to find identity in one of your siblings. And then, I don't know, turns into rebellion. That's what I did as a, as a middle child. And now I've got two of them, and I've got two little rebels. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I would say, yeah, just be intentional with your time with them to, to speak into them and, and uh, yeah, let them know that they're still just as valuable. I did feel like I was, you know, there was a lack of value there or something because the baby was always supported like the cute little baby of the family. And my bro my older brother was, you know, the trailblazer and I was kind of in the middle. And if you pick on the little one, then the big brother comes in and, picks on you <laughs> it's a difficult role to 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 lead but i would say yeah just the intentional one-on-one -on -one time and speaking into the importance of the of the middle child and the value that they have i always think asking really quirky questions are fun you know so it's just not like how's your day but like did you get really mad today like <laughs> I got really mad today. Here's what happened to me. And then I kind of like paved the path of like, oh, yeah, I kind of got mad today. Or like, did you laugh really hard today? Or, you know, so it's specific dumb questions that help. One time, so we go around every day uh, and it kind of got monotonous. I think I talked about this in, on, on this, but we talked about highs and lows. And so highs of the days, lows of the days. Uh, and then I changed it or I added highs, lows, friends, and foes. Like <laughs> who was, who are you a friend to and who was your enemy today? So I don't know, trying to like triangulate, I guess, and try to bob and weave a little bit as a dad. Then we moved to true, two truths and a lie, which if you're a nine on the Enneagram, there's nothing worse than you want. So my wife is a nine. So she was like, let's shut that down. But everybody else loved it. 
Um, <laughs> so, man, I do think that like there is something about just sitting down at the dinner table that is really nice. No matter how chaotic it is, it's like this baseline. I, I like that. I like that. So one thing we've been doing um, at the dinner table now, granted, my sons are three and one and a half or three and a half and one and a half. And right. so um, we'll do, Hey, what are you, what are you grateful for uh, today? And my, and my three-year-old will actually, you know, he'll throw out two or two or three things himself. Um, and my one-year-old is kind of, you know, gibberish, but we're working on it and, it, and it's pretty, it's pretty cool to see. So yeah, I will. Yeah. Bill, I, I like that. Good. That's good. Okay. I have a conundrum. Uh, I got this. Uh, I had a friend who reached out and he just sold his business. And then in the course of a business, he has like this <clears throat> anxiety attack and he's like, I don't know what's going on anyway. So he's kind of like hyped up on like health and sleep and all this stuff. Anyway, he's like, Hey, would you do this thing with me? And it's a whoop. Has anybody ever seen these whoops? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a buddy that work I work with that got a whoop and he said the exact, he said this, this thing. And I was like, mm, that's weird. Anyway, he was like, it's depressing. And I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean? He's like, you start seeing the lack of sleep that you are getting and like how much you actually need. And so then I got one like a week later and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's right. Like this thing is saying I should go to bed at 836 <laughs> and sleep till, you know, 630 or whatever. And I'm like, okay, not in America, you know, like, I don't know if ever we would do this. And so it's been really eye opening, like, maybe this sucks, you know, like, so, and then you kind of see, like, how you didn't sleep well. And then you're like, well, maybe I don't feel good. And so it's like this self fulfilling prophecy. Um, anyway, I think there's probably good data that's happening, but I can't even really see that. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm sleep deprived. I'm gonna get sick. <laughs> <laughs> and like going down that I, I would never know this stuff if I just didn't have the stupid whoop, but um, I think it's still good. I'm doing it. And then it's connected to everybody. So they can kind of be like, Hey man, like you're pushing yourself too hard or that was his intention. Um, but I, I'm excited to talk to the people that are doing the whoop as well as my coworker just be like, okay, so how do you counter this? Like, you're not going to sleep at eight 36. Like my kids would all have to put themselves to bed, <laughs> you know, like, it just seems selfish or I can sleep till 11 o'clock in the next day, you know, that whatever, whatever works. But anyway, so those are my conundrums. Also, like I'm getting a new pillow because I feel like my neck is always just kind of off. Anyway, I'm excited. That comes tonight. So <laughs> I'll keep you posted. <laughs> that should have some effects on the on the whoop. Sleep. I'm hopeful. Like I'm trying everything I can do, man. I'm trying everything I can do. Weighted blankets. and Yeah, I've tried that. That's suffocating. That did not work. <laughs> <laughs> anyway all right should we get into this thing or what do it all right talking about eq um how have you guys been doing with eq has it been more top of mind um why is it important i think for just parents that's kind of what we wanted to go into today is just parents and fathers how to connect with our kids why is it important um and i'll answer it first just because we're getting started here i think it's important to have eq because as I'm going through life, I feel like the people I'm most connected to are the people that can put themselves in my shoes. And if you guys know my definition of EQ, it's that. 
It's that un- people can understand and put themselves in different perspectives or different situations that might not be their own like perception. And in that can relate to a lot of people. And so I want to have a lot of EQ with my kids so that they feel the importance of that as they get older for other people. Um, but why do you guys think it's important for you as parents and fathers uh, to connect on an EQ level or a deep bond with your kids? Yeah, I would. I like the being able to put yourself in a, another person's shoes to connect with them. I just, my, my hope and prayer is that my kids there will always feel safe to mm. tell me whatever they want to tell me. You know, there's nothing that I'm going to, you know, completely come off the handle and, and cast them out of the family for. Um, so yeah, being able to hear those comments and, and hear them in a loving way and relate to them emotionally and support them in that they're not, they're not, they're not coming to me for, to, to feel uncomfortable to have some type of negative implications to themselves. So just to give them a safe, Mm -hmm. safe communication board to be able to support them in in whatever they, whatever they can. So yeah, the EQ piece, being able to connect with them is, is huge for that. I think. Chris, do you feel like your parents did a good job in that when you were growing up? The safe space? No, no. I mean, my, my, my dad for sure not um no but my my mom my mom yeah she but she's her eq probably isn't as high Mm. um but she she did do a good job you know empathizing um but no i would i would i'd say no Mm. for the most part it's, I want to hear other people's answers too, because I think that's, it's really interesting when you think about, you know, your parents and, and how you kind of want to change things. Um, this is something too, that I've noticed. If somebody can see my perspective, I completely get diffused. Just like customer service, like in, in a store, like, I'm sorry, sir, you don't have your receipt. Like I just bought it like five minutes ago. So, you know, like, and sorry, it's the policy. Like, okay. Can you see why this is frustrating? And if they say, yes, I can totally see why this frustrates. It completely like diffuses me. Like, okay, thank you for feeling my frustration. You know, like we can get through this. If they're like, nope, sorry, sir. Like that's the, like, I'm like, (laughs) so this EQ thing, I think does have a lot of superpowers in, okay. Yeah, I can relate, but okay. So what other things? So safety, I think, is one of them. Chris, I think that's really valuable. Um, I think that it reinforces your love and care for your kids. Um, What else do you guys think? I'll kind of piggyback off of Chris. I think the word word that's coming to me is just um, stability um, Mm. and being having just a stable relationship with your children. I think um, what I what I hope to continue to practice on with my children is from that the Stevie, uh, Stephen Covey book, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, but seek first to understand, mm. then be understood. Mm. Um, and so really taking the time to listen to my kids, similar to what Chris was saying, um, whatever the situation is, mm. and not and not coming unglued, because realizing that you were once a, a kid 
you were once a teenager and um, you are an adult now and you can kind of lead them into um, adulthood um, by just having those simple conversations. Mm, that's good, James. Right. And then asking those questions does show like you're trying to understand their perspective. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And just, I mean, I think we even see this with our wives as well as just allowing them to talk. Right. And I think we talked about this last week, just allowing them to talk and really get, get, get the things off their chest that they need to get off without, without being interrupted. Mm -hmm. And I think growing up as myself, as a teenager, um, you know, there's, there was some things that I wasn't able to express because it was always, Hey, it's mm-hmm. my way or the highway, you know, mm-hmm. as, you know, as, as a parent, um, or no, just do what I say. And that's, and that's the way it goes, you know, mm-hmm. or, um, and the African-American community is like, who are you talking to? And it's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I want to honor my parents, but still, I want to be able to get my, with, get my point across without, coming off disrespectful or telling you where, where I'm coming from or, or how I saw this particular situation happening. Yeah. Here's a question. How do you think that we can, I think, how do you think we can develop these deep like EQ things and values for our kids? This just came up. Like, I think it one is to practice it with them, but I almost wonder if like, them observing this with your like wife could probably be the most impactful thing for kids <laughs> as they get older. And like all marriages are easy when you're kids, you know, so I'm my parents, but as they step into marriage and such, being able to replay the conversations of their parents is impactful, whether it's good or bad. And so I think the best way for me to be able to imply this to my kids, or this is a dumb example, but you know, like when some, their daughter starts dating and they're like, I'm going to polish my shotgun. Like, okay, man, but you should have been polishing your shotgun far before this, by the way that you treat your wife, (laughs) by the daddy daughter dates that you take her out to. So she knows what, what, what it means to be a man, right? (laughs) Not a good man, but good at being a man and, and what it means to treat a, a woman with respect. Because you've been doing that with, you know, her mom the whole time. And so if anything goes south, she'd be like, "Mm, something's not right here. Um, So anyway, that's kind of this thing that I was thinking of. And I I like that. I, you know, I even, even in front of my, my boys, you know, I make sure that I'm very just in the way I'm talking to their mother, like, Hey, do you guys know? I love your mom. Like Mm. your mom is my, is my best friend. You know, mm-hmm. your mom is, um, and your mom is a, an amazing cook. Did you, did you, did you, did you thank her today for, mm-hmm. for, for cooking your, your meal? Um, things like that. That's awesome, man. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I, I, that's good. I think along with that affirmation, I think there will be times, I mean, I know in my life, especially as my boys get older, there are going to be times where I don't treat my wife in a godly way in whether it's in front of them or not, but especially if it is in front of them and they witness like a harsh tone or raising my voice or, or just saying something disparaging, which I would hope I wouldn't do, but I know myself too well. Um, and just times where I'll need to 
not just practice repentance to her, but even bring mm-hmm. my boys into that and say like, Hey guys, you saw earlier when I spoke to your mom this way, or I was not being loving and like, that is not okay as her husband. And that's not what I want to model to you guys as your father. And this is how I should have handled it. Um, and this is what I'm committing to her and to you guys like moving forward. And I think that like, I didn't have that model to me growing up, but I can only imagine how powerful that would have been just the humility that takes and mm. the ownership. Cause it also models to your, your kids like, Hey, you're going to make mistakes. And there are situations that are, aren't going to bring out the best in you. But when that happens, here's how you take ownership of it. Here's how you practice like godly repentance. And th- that's going to create those deep bonds that, that we want. In what ways now are you guys like currently building this deep bond with your kids? Like, what are some fun things? And I'm, I'm really like, I love this whole group source, like thinking just so I can be like, oh, that's fun. Like Chris doing the scavenger hunts. Like that's an example of creating these deep bonds with your kids. And Yeah, we were doing more regular every other Pretty much once a month, Rachel and I would go out and have a daddy-daughter date or a daddy or a mother-son date Mm. um, with the two oldest. We really need to get back on that um, because that was that was really helpful. I felt like that was that was good. But like lately, it's been uh, like taking my daughter to the field trip last week and. You know, it's on a Wednesday and she knew I had a meeting or meetings on Wednesday. And she's like, oh, you chose this over, you chose me over work. And that was just really um, humbling to hear. Mm. Um, And then, uh, yeah, just my son picking him up today from therapy. Mm. Uh, It's just real special time. And, uh, He's been, he's been struggling with some stuff. So Mm. it's just, it's been really helpful for our whole family um, just to choose them over, Mm. over work and other stuff that they, they've been, they've perceived as more important than them. Mm. It's definitely, it's definitely helped build a bond, I think. So at least for me. Yeah. That's, that's, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. And thinking about the, the dividends that that is going to pay, man, is like, like generational. Like it's mm-hmm. not just this, it's generational, you know, and seeing you pour into your family in such a way impacts them in, in a generational way where, it's it's just like I remember my dad, you know, like he poured into me all the time. Like it's beautiful. That's that's the only word for it, man. And and seeing the forest from the trees a little bit of like, no, but what's my priorities? And that's what we talked about at that weekend. They all is like, what's our priorities? And how do we make sure that those don't get shifted in the chaoticness of life? Is really neat to see, man. So Great job. Bill, I like how you used um, generational. I know, I don't know if you guys have heard this term before, but, um, you know, I don't know who, I don't know who said it, but they said um, 
you know, we're not, we're not raising our children. We're raising our future grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And Chris, again, what, what, what you're doing, I mean, this is something again to what Phil alluded to is, man, this is generational. Like mm-hmm. this is something that, that, that your kids are going to just remember, and they're going to, they're going to do this, do the same thing with, with their children, you know? Um, yeah. It, just that's fantastic mm-hmm. yeah that's my hope i just i just want to want them to know that they're yeah they're a priority and mm-hmm. just uh yeah realigning realigning my values family values mm-hmm. you're doing it man so yeah you are you're creating a legacy with just each of those decisions so yeah you're an example to each of us thank you so yeah we talk about kind of how we form deep bonds with our kids and you know quality time comes up you know what are the activities that that they love to do it might not always align with like the things that we necessarily get jazzed about but just that quality time how do we teach them how do we discipline them um, even celebrating milestones giving them gifts but what do you guys think, you know, studies show is like the number one way for parents to build deep bonds with their kids. And I'll give you a hint. It's very similar to how we build deep bonds with our wives. What we talked about last week. Any guesses? Initially, my first guess would be that that face to face. One on one time, I guess. I don't know. Mm, yeah. Quality time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that one-on-one time and specifically like in that helping them process their emotions, especially when they're going through difficult things. So like last week we talked about like the paradigm shift that occurs when we view times with when our wives are going through trials as an opportunity to create a deep bond with them. And so in a similar fashion, like when our kids are upset, whether they're screaming and melting down or they're like silent and closed off, like we can choose to see that as an opportunity to build a deep bond with them by helping them label their emotions. So it's like when we give something a name, it allows us and the other person to make sense of it and then to manage it in a healthy way. Yeah. Last week we talked about how to label our emotions and help others do the same. Do you guys remember the four general labels that we want to stay away from when we do that? That's all good. They, so three of them rhyme. So it's, we want to try to avoid happy, mad, sad, or bad. And there's a, there's a sheet that I'll post in our community that really just kind of gives a rundown of this. It's super helpful. And we want to avoid those labels because they're just not helpful. Like they're too broad. They don't really help us get to the root cause of the reaction and the response. There's an analogy called the sprinkler that we can consider kind of some best practices when it comes to um, working through these highly emotional occurrences. So if you imagine you're like enjoying a nice walk with your child in the park, all of a sudden the sprinklers turn on and they spray water all over the place. Like, how do you think your child is going to react? What are they going to (laughs) do? It's a good exercise. Uh, Each different. (laughs) Let's yeah. <laughs> answer that one. Some of them might love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're partying. <laughs> but more than anything, because of the surprise of it, they'll want to get out of the situation as quickly as possible. They'll probably scream. They'll run away. 
maybe afterwards it'd be like, oh, that water actually felt nice to go back to it. But for the sake of this analogy, okay. <laughs> just imagine that it freaks them out and they run away. So like when we're surprised by a negative situation, the primitive part of our brain takes over and that results in like that fight or flight mode. So insert Gabe in the, in the cold water plunge. Sure. <laughs> nope. Sure. Not doing that. Not doing yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Initially he didn't want to do it. And then when he got in, it's probably like a fight aspect of just kind of being clenched up where you really just kind of have to like, yeah, release yourself to it. So there are a few things that we really want to avoid when our kids are quote unquote in this sprinkler. So we don't want to try to problem solve or offer advice because that just diverts attention away from their emotions. Um, even if we offer a feasible solution, when our kids are overcome by emotion, they're not able to think logically to properly evaluate a solution that we're presenting. And what they really want and need is for their feelings to be acknowledged and validated. I actually go back to the example you gave, Phil, of being like at the store and you're trying to make a return and the person's like, hey, you don't have your receipt. Now, if you express frustration and they verbalize that and like they help you label that and they empathize with it, mm -hmm. even if they're not able to solve your problem, We're do good. you walk away from that situation feeling pretty good? Totally. Totally. Yeah. Right. Now think of the flip side. What if they are able to uh, fix this solution, but they're just really rude and impersonal <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. You're like, I got my receipt, but I feel terrible about that whole thing. Yeah. And I'm just like mad. Oh man. So, I'll go to DEFCON 9 quick. Yeah. Quick. I want to speak to your manager. Well, I just made the return. Yeah, but you were terrible. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, what our kids need is not necessary for us to try to solve the problem. They just want to know that their feelings are like validated and acknowledged. Mm -hmm. We also want to avoid minimizing. So we don't want to make statements like it's not a big deal or like don't overreact. Because uh, what, what do you think our kids hear when we minimize their feelings? You're an idiot. <laughs> okay Basically, like you know like hey your feelings don't matter don't worry about those like yeah no i mean that's just when you put yourself in their shoes like if you know yeah you or know, when like, someone's this is done a, that to you yeah this is a true story so mediacom which i think satan runs it i don't know but uh i called them just as customer service and there's a special phone number that they attach to your account okay and i call in and they're like okay what's your special phone number i was like I don't know. Can you look myself up in a different way? Like my address or my social security number? Like, what do you, you know? And they're like, nope, sorry, you need that number. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, I don't know what the number is. Like, what are we going to do? And we were at the stalemate. And, and like, that was when I was like, wait, can you understand how I'm frustrated? Like, you can't look myself up in any other way. Like, nothing. And they're like, nope. <laughs> and then it was just like quiet. And, <laughs> And they were like, well, sorry, sir. Like, this is just the way it is. You know, like basically minimizing my frustration. Hmm. And it yeah. was like infuriating. <laughs> yeah. It's good to think about doing that with your kids, right? Like, yeah. I don't understand why you're frustrated right now. Like, <laughs> of course you're going to get mad. Oh, yeah. man. And even as you were sharing that, the question popped into my mind of like, all right, if I'm on the phone with like a customer service person, I also have the opportunity to like help them with their emotions and, and empathize with them and be like, right. Hey, I'm sure like your job is challenging and you have people on here that are, yeah. they're just calling you and they're already upset. And I don't want to be one of those people. Like, how can we work together to, to fix this? And like, if, if you need to connect me with somebody else, like that's fine. But 
Yeah, that's a good reminder for me. <laughs> like the last I wasn't that way for the rest. Yeah, of I don't. <laughs> I don't, think, I don't think we probably here. usually are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a couple other things we want to avoid is siding with the enemy. So if our child is upset, like for instance, their friend isn't playing with them, wow. we want to avoid saying something like, "Well, did you do something to upset them?" You're kind of putting the the blame on them, and whether or not we're right, like that's only going to make our child get defensive and feel like we're not on their side. And then the last thing is like, don't try to cheer them up, which is probably the thing that I'm most guilty of is just trying to use humor to like deflect. Cause again, that just distracts from their feelings and comes across as disingenuous. And like the last, the last thing that someone who's like genuinely upset about something, the last thing they want to do is like laugh. Right. It just doesn't, doesn't compute. Okay. Let me, let's go back one. Uh, Not siding with the enemy. Sure. Tell me how you try to do that because the whole victimhood right now is like something I'm very keen on. And so my thing is like, how can you take responsibility of this situation? Right. Like, and I'm not siding with the enemy, but like, could you have done anything to provoke said anger from your friend or your brother? Um, so how do you balance that yeah. out? Right. Good question. What do you, what do you guys think? I'm going to have to watch the clips again. <laughs> could I, you, you that, first this video, that first video really hit home for me. Could I, I grew up with that mentality of, you know, when I got frustrated, you know, my parents would say, well, what'd you do? And until so you start questioning yourself and you just say, oh, what's wrong with me? What, what do I need to fix about me? And, you know, in that second clip, it, talks about you know just it's hearing the frustration um so i don't really know how to answer that question by what do you do to lead them through that but you know like you guys have been talking about like a generational thing it's i'm gonna have to rewire my brain to you know understand what my kid going through and help them process that emotion and so I, I don't know how to get them to think about, oh, what could they have done? I mean, is that really the whole goal? I mean, is the goal to fix the problem or is it the goal to just understand where they are? I mean, I think the problem will solve itself in the long run. Mm. That's what I saw in the second clip. But I, I don't know. I, I kind of struggle with that, too. Yeah. Anybody else have any thoughts or reflections on that? That's a good question. So I will say, I do think there is a time to teach, and but I don't think it's in that time where our kids are in the sprinkler. At least that's what the information was saying. So it's it all comes back to like, what is their brain doing in those moments? And again, when they're in the quote unquote sprinkler, they're thinking with their primitive mind. So for us to try to teach them or have them reflect on what they could have done differently, that's not the time to do that. It's it's time to like empathize, like you've been talking about, Phil, and just be a calming presence and try to understand them. And then as we kind of work through this progression, but once our child moves beyond this primitive brain phase, they're in what's considered the cool down phase. And apparently that can last from anywhere from two minutes to two days. So feel that out with your, your child individually. But I think this might look like our child spending some time like alone in their rooms if you have a younger kid, like that might be like the quote unquote timeout time. And like once 
their primitive brain is deactivated, that's kind of when the logical brain activates. And so you move from that cool down phase to the third and final phase, which is the logical phase. That's when your child can actually process what occurred and what they were feeling. And that's when you can actually like do some teaching. So I think to your question, Phil, that's when you can say like, okay, as we kind of revisit what happened, that's good. What do you think was your, um, responsibility role? Yeah. Role in what happened and like, what could you have done differently? Mm -hmm. And and just by asking questions, you actually let your child come to like their own conclusion. So good. Good. yeah, some things that, and as we're wrapping up, so some things we, we don't want to do in that logical, that last phase is we don't want to just move on. So we don't want to sweep it under the rug. Again, that's like the perfect time to revisit it, help your child label their emotions again, and then ask them like, what do you think you can do next time when this happens? Um, you can offer suggestions, but again, you really want kind of want to let them come to their own conclusion. Mm-hmm. And then I think another really important thing, even just from like a biblical context is we don't want to shame our, our children for how they acted. Right. So we don't want to say things like, I can't believe like you would act that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't want to shame them, but at the same time, we do want to remind our, our child of like family rules and expectations and impose any necessary consequences. So we can help them work through and process their emotions and still say like, Hey, but because you, you did this, like this is the the consequence. So mm. this, this is what we're going to do now. Yeah. What, uh, what kind of final thoughts or reflections uh, do you guys have? It's good. I'd say Chris wins the uh, week. So there's that. Okay. Yeah. He had the most points. <laughs> And James is probably going to win next week because he's going to have a baby. Okay. Yeah. If he's here, he wins by default. <laughs> Please. Yeah. <laughs> well, sweet. I'll sign off by just uh, posing a challenge to each of us. So ra- raise your hand if you journal regularly and, and no, no shame if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Off and on. So while I think on this topic of creating deep bonds with our kids, it's so good for us to do this. And I think how much better would it be if we took it a step far, far, step farther as fathers, say that five times fast, and actually like journal about these moments. So I would love to just kind of challenge us as a group, kind of decide how we want to approach journaling, um, whether it's writing in a physical journal, there's apps that you can use. I use an app called Day One. It's really helpful and it gives me reminders. And just as we consciously uh, try to build deep bonds with our kids, I think over the course of this week, like, let's just make one journal entry of like what we did, how we fell on our face, what what went well. Um, And we can share that in the community if you want, or we can talk about it uh, next week. And then a reminder that we're switching to biweekly calls for the duration of the summer. So hopefully that just works better with busy summer activities and travel. I think we'll also just have a lot more to share, um, having a week in between and then there's a lot more at, at stake if you miss a call. So you, you, you don't want to miss. Um, Great. And then the last thing is I emailed each of you. So if you can uh, read that and respond, uh, we would appreciate your guys' feedback. So any last words from the group? All right. Nothing for me. Very encouraged by you gentlemen. And I, and I thank you for having me on the call with you guys. Yeah. Great likewise. addition, man. Yeah. We'll be praying, praying for you and the, the baby and, yeah, we're excited to to hear how it goes. 
All right. Well, thanks for being here, guys. Have a uncommon rest of your week and we'll see you on the next one. See you guys. Thank you for listening to The Uncommon Podcast. If you have benefited from our show, I would ask you to follow, rate, and review and share our show. And be sure to check out our website at theuncommon.com where you can learn more about our mission, sign up for one of our live experiences, and take advantage of many resources that will empower you on your uncommon journey.